A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. This is another episode of Togetherness. It's been a while. So, in this episode, I will be talking to Victoria English, who is a award-winning mental health resilience life coach and consultant, and she's passionate about empowering people with the tools to live a happy and healthy life. Now, the topic of conversation, we were talking about uh, mental health education and the vital need for more mental health education in schools and more training in businesses in schools, just all professions. And this has really come to light, especially at the moment throughout the pandemic, you know, the importance of mental health, the conversation's been there, and it's something we all need to do a lot more for everyone to feel like it's an inclusive environment, like they're supported, and to have more awareness and understanding to really get rid of the judgment and the stereotypical behaviour which is still around. So we had a really, really nice conversation And this was supposed to be put out uh, a few weeks ago. I've been a bit bad recently, but I've just been giving myself time still because I've been a bit inundated and I just needed time with my family as well, which is absolutely okay. And I think you can appreciate that too. I'm not going to apologize for it, but here we go. We're doing it now. I'm going to go on to some positive news, which I also played. Uh, I put this on my blog the other week, and it shows the importance that technology really has to play in our lives and the great good that we can have from it. And this was a news story uh, from the US, actually, about a teen who lives in the UK. 
Uh, a teenager was having a seizure in the UK and he was saved by an online gamer 5,000 miles away in Texas. They'd made friends online through gaming together and the young lady knew something was wrong. She knew about the health and she called 911 and they managed to get in contact with the emergency services in the UK um, after her friend suffered a seizure. They managed to trace the address, they got paramedics around, parents were completely unaware and uh, were incredibly thankful. So there's just another example of how social media can be used in such a positive light. We've also had a massive big freeze out in Texas recently and there's volunteers that have saved thousands and thousands of turtles out there. They've been working tirelessly. If you want to look at more of the news stories, you can go on to my website at joeplum.org forward slash news. So, more positive stories. If you have any positive stories which you'd like to share, it could be an act of kindness. It could literally be anything. Um, but we'd really like to hear them because I think actually positive news stories are so important to share. Especially now, they just uplift everyone, don't they? They're great. Uh, so, we will also be having like a new way that we're going to be doing these uh, podcasts soon and a bit of a team, a bit more structure to them as well, and I'm really looking forward to it. And also, this week coming up, I spoke to the uh, George from the Australian music band Shepherd, who you might know the song Geronimo from. I'm not going to sing it right now. I haven't got my singing voice on, and I don't think anyone would like to hear that right now. Um, but yeah, I spoke to them. Sorry if you can hear my dog in the background. Uh, but yeah, I spoke to George from Shepherd, a really, really nice conversation. I am a massive, massive fan of Shepherd, and they bring me and my dad closer together. We love their music, and music's just a great healer, isn't it? And he sang uh, a, a bit of their song, Thank You, which they wrote for their mum for Mother's Day. Our mums are our rock, and he gave a lot, an exclusive live performance as well, which was amazing. And for the first time in my life... I was very starstruck. But anyway, I'm going to stop waffling on and let's get on to the conversation with Victoria. Have a listen. I could have gone on for ages with this, uh, but we had a great discussion. So here we go. I'm joined by Victoria and um, Victoria does a lot of work around mental health, does a lot of training um, and workshops to do with as well the neurological side of mental health to get a better understanding and a deeper understanding which is key when we're trying to raise the awareness around everything to do with mental health and when we look at helping those as well. So Victoria, thank you very much for joining me. Oh, I'm delighted to be here and and delighted to open up the conversation about mental health, which I feel I'm so passionate about, um, which I feel is, is so important uh, during the current climate. Um, I've been shocked 
at the recent research from the pandemic and in my training I have seen that um, there has been an enormous deterioration in the mental health of young people uh, those from 16 to 24 have been tremendously adversely impacted uh, by um, their mental health by the pandemic and I really think it's important to empower people in general about what they can do to look after their mental health and also Sorry if you can hear my dog barking in the background. It's okay. My, um, Betty will. Betty, Betty, my dog will respond. <laughs> oh bless her! Um, yes, yeah, so you've got your dog Betty, and you're you're due another dog soon, aren't you? Absolutely, I'm due um, Flossie, who's going to be another Shih Tzu, and I'm very much um, in favour of animal assisted therapy. I think that we have a lot to learn from our canine companions for indeed they live their lives in a very mindful way um, enjoying being in the moment they help us to go out and get fresh air and exercise and speak to people and it's been essential for me during this lockdown period to have my my canine companions so so yeah we're really excited about flossy coming oh uh, and I think that's something that's really helped a lot of people get through the pandemic, um, especially our, we got our dog not long ago now, um, three and a bit weeks ago, and just getting outside, getting out and about, it's been a big lifesaver for many. Yeah, yeah. It's that fresh air and it's that companionship, that unconditional love, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, like you said, the statistics... Um, published a story on my website i mean trying to look at the nhs website uh, overall in the uk you really have to do a lot of digging to get to how bad the mental health system is um not putting down our amazing our amazing nhs but we're in an old system at the moment which has been the same for years it hasn't really been adapted but you had to read over and over and over again to get the true insight into what's actually happening at the moment. In November 2019, um, there were it's, the report stated there were nationally 150 referrals waiting over 12 months, and that was in 20, 2019. Um, September to November 2020 alone, there were 970,554 new referrals for mental health services in England by GPs. And at the end of October, there were 1,358,959 people in contact with services. Um, and the majority of those were in contact with adult services. So that just that broad picture there going from 2019 straight into the period of lockdown they're quite big numbers aren't they absolutely and and that is um the tip of the iceberg as far as i'm concerned we know that um for many people they will not feel comfortable about talking about their mental health and so um 
the numbers we're talking about are, as I say, really just a small number. There will be, a, there will be, in t- comparison to the number of who won't be actually um, seeking out help for fear of stigma and discrimination. And we have come a long way. Um, the reason why I have um, set up my uh, my training company and why I'm so passionate about um, empowering, um, whether it be the workplace, whether it be schools, whether it be youth workers or um, people in general to to um, to learn about mental health, how to look after their mental health and empower them with a toolkit really, just as they would look after their physical health, to look after their mental health is, um, it stems from lived experience. When um, I was a child, I had generalized anxiety, um, which then was followed in my adolescence by anorexia. And before I went to Exeter University, my mother took me to the GP and the GP said, uh, she'll grow out of it. And it wasn't until I was in my mid-twenties that I started to get the help and the resources that I needed. But we've moved on a long um, way from there. Um, During my adult life, I've had various junctures through my life. I've had um, again, acute periods of anxiety, panic attacks and depression. But it's only in the last 10 years that I've started to use my own toolkit, that of meditation, journaling, um, exercise, and started to really understand the neuroscience behind how the brain works and how we can actually rewire our brain to be more resilient and more resistant to those dips in our mental health which we all naturally have along the life course yeah absolutely and in the um when we were conversing back and forth uh, via email um the first bit that you'd said was there was always something different about me i felt like i was a jigsaw which had a missing piece an unfinished essay a car that drove in an un- unpredictable fashion and my awareness of neurodiversity was brought into sharp focus when starting school at five so do you think this is something uh, i mean the neurodiverse but i've said it a lot in um articles that in in the press how my subtle differences and the neurodiverse nature of schools really had an impact on one how I was treated I was bullied which had an impact on my mental health but do you think that's that's where this needs to start from an early age from primary where we need to get this education in and even learning about the neurological um, aspects of mental health absolutely uh, I like you said I suffer with um, dyspraxia and um, it wasn't diagnosed when I was a child in the 70s and 
I think it's given me tenacity, but certainly I suffered um, with a feeling of not being enough. I was ridiculed by teachers. Um, I was bullied by other class members. There was a sense that there was some, that something different and children can be incredibly cruel. And there's also an element in schools, and I still don't think that schools and teachers take bullying seriously enough because it can be profoundly traumatic for a child or a young person to undergo bullying. And we know now through neuroscience and actually brain imaging that it can really have a detrimental effect on our neurological development. And uh, it is something that I think I believe schools should be so hard upon because we know that when we're in the fight flight state we can't learn when we're really stressed our, our emotional top part of our brain takes over and we're on high alert and we just can't actually take in the learning and if it's not tackled in an early age and if the bullying is not put to rest then it's something that we take on through throughout adulthood and I certainly know that throughout my life course, that feeling of being different and that feeling of not being enough has um, laid me bare to to being bullied, um, not only, as I say, throughout the education system, but throughout um, work and my, my adult life. So I think that there needs to be far more awareness by schools, by SENCOs, that um, not only just to look at neurodiversity, but to look at the fact that you are 40% more likely, if you are neurally diverse, to have a mental health problem. And uh, another thing I'd like to underline is that there's um, a verse, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is so untrue, because we know that bullying, as I say, does have an enormous impact on, on our well-being and and it needs to be taken very seriously. Absolutely. And that feeling when you're kind of segregated, isolated by your peers because you're different, uh, it, it leaves you even even now. I still I still look back and I still get the memories that will come up and it makes it, it gives you that feeling of just I don't I don't know how to explain it but almost as if people won't accept you you get a lot of self self doubt you start to have a bit of self hatred come back these things do stick with you forever I mean like you said the sticks and stones may break my bones but names shall never hurt me um it's been one thing that always annoyed me I remember I'd go talk to my teachers and they'd always use that sticks and stones it was, but no it does hurt and now later on in life, and I think we're still only just getting there where people really are starting to realise that bullying does have a seriously detrimental impact on our mental health and well-being moving forward. And is especially risky for those who have already got some form of diagnosis of mental illness. Um, I mean... You've also had, I mean, by 16, you passed all nine own levels. By 18, you were th you achieved your three A levels. Um, and you studied at 
Exeter University, didn't you? Um, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think that, and I'd really like to highlight that if you are neurally diverse, it doesn't mean that you're not able to academically achieve the, the stereotyping around um, those of us with learning disabilities again needs to be explored and and I'm a great believer that we need to have amazing um, champions like yourself Joe and hopefully I um, sort of can be a role model for those with dyspraxia that um, that you you are able to achieve and in if, if anything, it gives you more grit to pursue those goals and, and prove yourself. Um, and um, we need to be looking at um, the gifts, really, that being neurally diverse uh, give us. Um, you've only got to look at uh, people like Richard Branson, um, Steve Jobs. So many people are incredibly entrepreneurial because of their ability to to think in a in a diverse way so the whole um landscape about the way that we speak about um neurodiversity really needs really needs to change um and as part of my career um i worked with um learners with learning disabilities and they actually achieved far more than perhaps the 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 people who didn't have the neural diversity in terms of fundraising we we took a campaign to parliament and showed previewed a documentary there about hate crime we met the queen three times and put a film in the royal collection um so i've been incredibly proud of the learners that I've worked with for setting an example to, to everybody. And I think that another thing that we should always um, endeavour to do as um, educators, as practitioners, is not to set, um, set limitations on achievement based on our own fears of... Um, and limitations often I think that just because we are afraid of failure we we set that still as a barrier to achievement with those that we um those that we teach and so I was very much about applauding learners one of my greatest um moments of of my teaching career was seeing um one of my autistic learners reciting uh his poem to john burko in in parliament and he recited it perfectly and um with so much confidence and i'd been told by a colleague earlier that there was no way that that child would be able to learn and recite that poem and if we'd gone with her misgivings then he wouldn't have achieved um that uh, that event and I think that we need to empower our young people with the confidence and also not to be afraid of failure to have that growth mindset to to know that um, we need to try and even if we we fail 
a hundred times, we're still moving towards our goal. I didn't realise that, I think Dyson had made 200,000 attempts to make the vacuum cleaner until he got the right one. And uh, it's, it's about always moving forward and it's about the journey um, and I think that's what we need to realize about our mental health is that it is on a continuum we will have days when we're very low and we'll have days when we're very good very much like our physical health and it's about learning to cope with those ups and downs but also learning that everybody feels the same way too we need to step away from social media, which is just a filtered uh, record of people's life. It's just the highlights. And we need to, to let our children and young people know that that's actually false and mm -hmm. that it is just a reel of highlights and it's a filtered version of the truth. It's not reality. Absolutely. And I think this has been one of the major issues during the pandemic, you know, as good as social media has been in keeping us all in touch and connected. And, you know, although, yes, we're apart, we're not alone, but it has caused for many years. There is a lot of dangerous things out there, especially in regards to children, and young people, you know, they're having to do all their classes online at the moment. And there's so many risks uh, and just dangerous things online but also it's this fake lifestyle instagram you know you can look at someone's instagram and it looks like they've got this perfect life they don't struggle and then you look at yourself and you're like but i'm dealing with this i'm dealing with that um life just isn't worth living you go through this whole thought process and start beating yourself up don't you and it's i i, I say i had to put a post out there a couple of weeks ago saying look it's not I might post all of these quotes and make it seem like everything's so positive. But behind my quotes, my messages, my tweets, I struggle as well. And it's so important, actually, instead of just posting the perfect things on social media, that if we're going to get this awareness out there and really start this conversation, which needs to keep going after the pandemic, this isn't just a pandemic conversation, it's important that we all we're just honest and open up. Absolutely, and and by opening up, by being honest about our feelings, I I teach about suicide prevention and self harm to professionals, and one of the key messages that I give over is that one in twenty of us at any time will be having thoughts of suicidal ideation. It's a normal part of life to feel incredibly low but the most important thing that we need to do is to talk about it it's when we don't it's when we bottle up our feelings and we don't emotionally express how we're feeling that um things start to go things start to go wrong and i agree with you um, for young people having to spend so much time on social media, where there are so many apps these days which enable you to change how you look, to enhance the reality. But our brains actually don't process those photos as something that is filtered. They see them as reality and therefore it really 
promotes feelings. It promotes comparison, which is the thief of joy. But it also promotes a very, very unrealistic picture of the reality of of life. And I certainly think that I would not be like to be a young person growing up in this um, in this society where there is so there are so many pressures there are pressures to have likes on social media to have followers um, to look a certain way um, on TV we were we are constantly it's being pumped through about um, this toxic masculinity about having an amazing body to have the white teeth to have the tan to be able to go on amazing holidays for girls to have impossible possibly um thin figures but also to have the big boobs and to have fuller lips and botox it's all incredibly artificial and people think that that's actually going to bring them happiness but it doesn't no it doesn't and do you know what one of the things that really annoys me i mean i'm not um obviously i'm not a female um but it's what I've seen, and I think since me and my partner moved in together, um, clothes shopping, girls, clothes shopping, the adverts. There's so many different measurements. And I know this might be going off topic, but I think this is one of the things that the fashion industry really, really needs to have a look at. In every shop, men's clothes are easy. It's just small, medium or large. Uh the sizes are pretty much generic, no matter who you buy your clothes from. But it seems to me, and something which is causing a lot of the anorexia, the um, the psychiatric issues and fears about weight, is girls' clothes seem to be measured so differently, um, where, say, you could... I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert, but a size 18 or a size 12 could be a size 18 in another store. And then your friend could go and buy that and it's I'm a size 12. This is, this is one, of, one of the other things which I think really needs to be looked at because it's so damaging. And the amount of young people now, and it's getting younger and younger each year, who are starving themselves, who are trying to change the way they look because... Absolutely. We've got such a broken system. But I know that was going off track. And I mean, I'm not going to understand it as well as a female would. But I sit back and I I uh, just listen to some of the conversations and read some of these articles. And it saddens me. You know, men's clothes are easy. um, Pretty much. But female clothes, it's almost like it's just causing an issue it's just forcing an issue why why isn't it all generic absolutely and i agree with you totally and when i look at buying clothes and perhaps some of the clothes that are directed at the younger market when i had anorexia it was very difficult to get me clothes but now um we can see like you say there's so much differential with the closing sizes, but they will go down to a four and a six and an eight, and then not really not um, include the the higher sizes. But also, um, there's this notion 
that your whole self-esteem and your worth as a female is um, equated to how much you weigh. Uh, and then there's the dichotomy in magazines of on one page they have got um, a, a girl looking amazing with her six pack etc and then on the next page they're advertising fast food or they're talking about a diet and I think the problem is Joe, is there is a whole industry and there are a whole lot of people who are making a lot of money out of girls misery and this is then further impacted by a lot of the celebrities who will push these insanely um, uh, rubbish diets where they've had the ability to have personal trainers, they've gone on real fasts, they've gone away to glorious places to have these photo shoots. And indeed, a lot of the photos are filtered. So girls all the time are getting very unrepresentative and realistic images of how they should be. One only has to look at the plastic surgery industry and to see how many girls these days want to have a boob job because they want, it's, it's unrealistic to have big boobs and a very small waist. So girls want to achieve that by actually going down the route of maybe getting credit to go and change their bodies, whether it be their bottom, their boobs, um, whether it be liposuction. And as I say, there's a whole industry out there which is pushing and driving this. Um, we know that eating disorders have gone up 200% within this lockdown period. And I would argue is that it, girls are using it as a way, as a type of control to block out all of these um, negative messages and to feeling that actually this is just something that they can do to to fit in with the ideal and to boost their self-esteem and to block out the rest of their worries and anxieties. And we know that it just ends in misery. And the shocking thing is that nowadays, now we've got, we've got um, even younger people um, I've heard of girls as, as small as um, as five actually having eating disorders. But the problem also, I'd say, Joe, is that um, the way we eat now is so so diametrically opposed to healthy eating with the promotion of things like Just Eat, mm -hmm. Deliveroo, the fact that we aren't going out and exercising, we're being more um, sedentary. So we've got this whole um, situation where we're not actually burning off the calories. We're, we're eating far more foods, which are just processed foods, which don't fill us up, which just give us empty calories. And the cycle goes on, yet the... Um, yet the uh, the message is um, young people need to be thin. Yeah, there's so many different messages. And like you say, with the diets, um, there's so many different diets out there. And the thing is, 
they're, they're promoted as healthy diets, but they're not. A lot of these diets that are promoted in the media, you know, they cause iron deficiency. Um, uh, the What you're missing out on is causing a problem somewhere else down the line. And everyone is different. And I think this is really important. To, it's like treating any sort of mental health. I can give some advice to anyone, but I give a lot of the advice I give and the tips, I try and give quite a broad perspective when it comes to tips. Um, but all these things work for different people. It's not what works for us. Everyone is different. And I mean, on Wednesday, the 27th of January, um, the Daily Mail, uh, the, there was a, a letter written by paediatricians um, basically saying depression among children and young people is at frightening levels um, due to the schools being shut, um, but also because of this online world. And one of the really sad stories that came came about um, this week was a school in Las Vegas have had to reopen and a lot of schools in the US are having to do the same thing because um, 18 students took their own lives in one of the schools in Las Vegas during um, the months that the schools have been closed. The youngest student to die was nine years old. Um, And that was believed by the dangers. One, the perception, all the online world, what there is, the scary news stories. But it was the researching as well. And no one that young, one should know how to take their own life. No one should take their own life. Um, please don't take that the wrong way. If that was worded badly, um, I apologise. Um, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. This is all out there. There's so much danger. Um, the school's been shut. We know this is extremely harmful for kids. Um you know, parents are also struggling, you know, the psychological stress and they're having a breakdown, the pressures of homeschooling their children, trying to sustain their jobs, businesses. Um, everything's getting to everyone at the moment, isn't it? And like you said, it's so key that we all talk about our feelings, our emotions, and we don't just listen to this, oh, just man up. You know, you're a man, you can't talk. The man up Absolutely. term is something that, gets on my nerves so much and which is what kind of pushes me more and more to do what I do on a day-to-day basis it's not putting my story out there for attention it's actually it's okay I might be a man if you want to see me as weak because I'm not the um stereotypical man because I'm not big muscly I don't want to fight whatever that's fine but actually we need to talk because the suicide rates are going up and up each year and you just get to breaking point. No matter who you are, emotions don't target a specific gender. It's like COVID doesn't target a specific person. We've got to talk, and if COVID's done anything good, it's actually it started this conversation on a very wide scale. But this this isn't the first pandemic. Mental health has always been a pandemic. Um, and... I think we're all kind of coming to that realisation now that we all have mental health and it's something we need to look after as well as our physical health. Mental health is just as important. Um, 
One thing I wanted to ask you, do you think the education around the terminology that we use when it comes to, say, seeing the doctor, you're feeling sad, um, and this isn't discounting like anyone's feelings, uh, but there's sad and then there's clinically depressed. There's one and then there's the illness side. There's that chemical imbalance, which is the clinically depressed. Do you think that the terminology that we use as a society has caused a lot of issues, which has kind of made men talking about mental health and the way it's treated a bit, uh, the focus on it's been taken away a little bit because it's just seen as everyone's depressed, but not everyone's depressed. People are sad. Uh, absolutely. And I've heard mental health problems being negated by professionals saying the very thing that they it's bandwagoning. There are so many young people saying they're stressed and they they need to to get with it. They are snowflakes. They um, they just need to be resilient. And my argument back is that I don't think we as adults have any comprehension of what it's like to be growing up now with the pressures that the young people are under and also we need to have we need greater education on the very fact that mental health works very much like physical health on a continuum. So there will be people who will have a headache, like as a physical symptom, very much like we ha will have people who will say they are stressed. And that's not to take away that person on that day could have a headache or the person on that day is stressed. But like you, like you explained, Joe, the difference being that um, one is clinically depressed when that stress doesn't go away. That person has a problem with their headache if it doesn't go away. And I think two weeks is, um, is the figure. But I think what we are um, drawing more towards is that there needs to be a greater awareness for everybody, then doctors, GPs, teachers, the public in general need to have a much greater understanding of how to look after their mental health. And also that, like I said earlier, it's got to be that things don't work well for everyone. Someone might find writing down their feelings helps. You might find a different way, you know, and I th where as me and you have discussed previously a few days ago when it comes to like the therapy side i mean medication at the moment as we know there's been a massive a 90 percent increase in the use of medication waiting times have gone up so they're seen as a quick and easy fix but it's something that actually costs more on the nhs and it doesn't help anyone's mental health you know if you think of using an antidepressant it's the, in, within the two-week time frame it takes to kick in, that causes suicidal ideation, and that 
unfortunately leads to people taking their own lives. There needs to be the therapy next to it. But we are in a very outdated system as well where we've learned more, um, as, the, as you said on the conversation we had the other day, we've learned more about the neuroscience behind mental health where it's not really implemented in the mental health system now where we could be doing a lot more and understanding more and potentially if that was implemented in a better way that could save so many lives and i mean a big shout out to my partner who uh, got all of these statistics and this story done for my site as well but um she found in this report uh, ill mental health is responsible for 72 million working days lost and costs 34.9 billion um, to the taxpayer each year. That equates to 300,000 people, the equivalent of the population of Newcastle and Belfast. Um, that's massive. And to put it into context like this, it's hard to ignore the harsh reality that everyday people are facing. Now, during unprecedented times, how we can cast practically whole cities of people aside to think uh, at, at, to the brink of financial ruin. Um, many people are at a disadvantage and now feel unsupported. And this is something which we've had the discussion of and we'll have many discussions uh, of I think it's key at the moment. I don't know. I think you agree as well, Victoria, that businesses, especially in this time, have access to free training, like uh, whether it's all employees at some point, but there needs to be people that have the in-depth mental health first aid training, not just like general first aid training, which is what a couple of hours mm -hmm. sitting there, but every mm. workplace should have someone who one understands mental health, just the basic bits knows how to approach the conversation, help and support someone and understands the neuroscience behind it. What do you, to me, there's a massive, it's, this is so important. So people also feel supported at work and people in the community. What's, why do you think that's important as well? Uh, I agree completely. And one of the major reasons which um, why I set up my training company was to do exactly that. I think um, we need to inoculate people um, to look after their mental health so they are more resilient. And part of that inoculation is about teaching them coping strategies empowering them with coping strategies to not just firefight with their mental health that is um, looking for signs and symptoms which then they take to their GP but what can we do on a day-to-day -day basis to look after our mental health and well-being and part and parcel of that is teaching people about their mental health, about the brain, about uh, the way that we are configured. Uh, not many people know that we have a natural negativity bias, that we're brought up to actually our brain is um, through evolution actually is naturally predisposed 
to looking at the negative. And so we need to look to ways which we can we rewire the brain so that it looks more at the positive. Um, there are lots of ways that we can do this through positive psychology strategies, through things like meditation, um, through journaling, through eating a, a whole grain diet, plenty of fruits and vegetables. By taking regular exercise, what we will be doing then is helping to reduce that emotional part of the brain, which um, increases the, our response to, to um, stresses. Um, it um, creates the fight-flight response. But what by rewiring our brain to increase the prefrontal cortex, which is um, the rational part of the brain, which keeps those stressors in touch and helps us to understand why we're feeling the way we're feeling and keeps us calmer and helps to keep our emotions in check. Um, did you know, Joe, that actually by writing down how you're feeling or how um, talking about how you're feeling using that emotional literacy will reduce the impact of that feeling, whether it be jealousy, whether it be worry, whether it be stress, it will reduce the impact on the emotional part of the brain. That is the brain that actually makes you feel um, so distressed by 50%. Wow. Just doing that. Yeah, just doing that um, on a day-to-day basis can really, really help. Another strategy is writing down every day three things you're grateful for by just completing this simple activity every day you are programming your brain to look for the positive have you ever thought um when you decide to buy a a certain car or you're thinking about a certain car um invariably the next day all you'll see is that car it's strange isn't it i've I've always wondered why that is um when i was a yeah. When I was young, and I'm say when I was young, I mean, I'm still still classes young, but um, say if my mum or dad got a new car, I'd never see those cars out. It'd be something we'd discuss before we'd go pick up the car. It'd be, yeah. oh, well, you know, yeah, it's a really nice car, and you don't see many of those around. And as soon as that car arrived, or at, when we knew the car was bought, and then as soon as it arrived, you'd just see them everywhere. And I always wondered, why is that? And it's, I'm guessing that's because your brain then focuses onto that because you know that's happening, that you've just got more awareness of that t- part, um, that particular car, that your brain's kind of just glued onto that subconsciously. Absolutely. And, and you can imagine how perhaps if we get in a loop of negativity and we don't, we're not mindful and we don't appreciate the little things, the little glimmers of hope in every day, um, by actually writing those down, um, it programs the brain to look for those positives. So in my gra- you're in my gratitude di- diary today, Joe. Um, something that I've looked forward to, and it'll go in 
in um, my gratitude diary that I write at the end of the day. But just by taking five minutes to do that on a daily basis can really help us to focus more on what we do have in life rather than what we don't. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's, it's strange you say it because and then when before we got to the point of lockdowns, I don't know if it was uh, where you are, it's probably the same all over the world. But when we heard about people coughing, whenever someone coughed on a bus, because our brains were focused on the main symptom of the coronavirus, which was a cough, as soon as someone coughed, people would stare at that person and give them so many horrible looks and like, oh, stay away, stay away. Um, but, I mean, coughs, I, I think a lot of us have forgotten that actually a cough is completely normal. It happened before, I mean, COVID's been around for years, but before this strain of COVID, a normal day-to-day cough, it, those things happened. Um, there's a lot of a lot of stuff which you've said, which I, I, I kind of want to educate myself on now. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. That's gonna be my uh, my week my weekend reading. I think. Oh, I can send you. I'm a real nerd on neuroscience and all this kind of stuff. So I'll, I'll happily send you over some of my materials, Joe. And I and I really think that this is something that we can work on together to to get the message out there that um, there are so many things that you can actually do whilst maybe if you're in a low place, if you're maybe waiting for treatment, there are loads of things that you can actually do to help in the meantime um, and just build up um, your mental health and well-being. Um, another suggestion that. I think is really useful is to to really filter out your your feed on Instagram um, or Snapchat or um, whatever social media platform you use to um, if actually following a certain person brings you down and follow, you know, curate your feed so that it's something that lifts you up rather than brings you down. Um, because you're not aware, actually, of some of the negative um, ways in which social media is impacting you. So I think it's about being a little more clever with actually what we absorb and what we don't absorb. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, if you can cut out that bit of negativity, it's it's very important, you know, and it's for a positive life. Um, But, yeah, I mean, we've... Oh, sorry, I'm dropping stuff now. Uh, but <laughs> this worry. is the good thing about the podcast I don't try and filter out any of the mistakes if my dog barks Aww. in the background because like Instagram like these mistakes happen I'm also learning the podcasting world and that's part of the development and it's the same for mental health you know it's just normal life um, but yeah we're, I mean, we're going to talk a bit more hopefully try and implement some training which is needed um, and maybe as well um, we can get Anyone that's li- going to listen back to this, um, anyone that's listening to this, uh, you know, Facebook, social media, we will hopefully um, be able to run some awareness, educational training, um, uh, anything. Is that? Would you be interested in doing that, Victoria? 
I would, I would love to do that, Joe. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's, let's get people informed, empowered. Um, let's change the landscape. Uh, it's, it's needed. It's, um, I think that, I think that sometimes society needs, needs to get to breaking points before something is done and maybe, I'm always about seeing the good in negative events and maybe the pandemic is the push that we needed to really change the trajectory about the way that people see mental health and start to get some support going. Absolutely, and even just, you know, not focusing on those silly materialistic things that we all focused on, you know, the first lockdown when it was nice and sunny outside, focusing on the birds singing and what a massive impact uh, in a positive way that had on my mental health and just one walk a day but that one walk was the best time of my life and just releasing so much stress and emotion and clearing my head it's um it's caused so many good things and if it's one good thing that it's done as well victoria i mean it's connected you and myself you know like-minded people together and i'm (laughs) I'm yeah. very confident and looking forward to making a change and uh, change is what's needed and you know I think it's it's given me a bit of uh, more of a driving force to really make a positive change as well yeah, yeah I'm so excited I'm so excited and uh, yeah we both got dogs we as do. well you know let's not for- forget our canine therapy so um so yeah, the I think that spring in the pagan calendar, spring happens in February, so that's just a couple of days away. So I think there's a lot of hope out there. We've got vaccinations happening, and uh, really excited to do more with yes, you, Jay. Likewise, and try not to look look into the news too much. I mean, um, we've got to shut off the um, news is very negative at the moment, and I'm trying to step back. Lastly, that, in fact, I'm going to put that as my last point. How do news presenters cope? We were all told to step back from the news because of how negative it is at the moment. But how do you, how do they cope? I've, I've kind of wondered that. Yeah, I think that they must have their own toolkit for, for coping. But saying that, one of the, one of the people that I follow um, cause he's a mindfulness gu- guru and really got me into meditation is Dan Harris. Mm-hmm. You should look him up, um, Joe. And he had a panic attack live on air, um, which drew him to meditation and about trying to calm his emotional response. So, um, they may be smiling on screen, Joe, but who knows what's going on behind closed doors. And again, it goes back to that filtered feed. It goes back to um, being vulnerable, being real. Um, even though these shiny, beautiful people on 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 our TVs, in the media, um, they may project such um, a positive, smiley face, but they probably just like you and I, Joe suffer in the same way um we're all human and i think it's remembering that absolutely victoria it's been a pleasure and um yeah let's let's i'm just looking forward to 
what we can do together collaboratively and hopefully really make a difference and uh, anyone that's listening to this my social media links are below I'll put yours as well Victoria um, when oh, this goes thank out you. thank you and, um, yeah, just brilliant stay tuned and yeah yeah great conversation and uh, really lovely to talk to you and let's let's talk Always. more soon thank you so much Thank you, Joe. There we go. Bye then. And that was the lovely Victoria English. Uh, you can follow her on social media. I will just pull up the Twitter username. You can also look down in the description, wherever you're listening, it will be on there. Be on my website as well. Or if you go onto my Twitter um, at UK. Me and Victoria talk a lot on social media. You can find her on there as well. Um, but yeah, that was a great conversation. It could have gone on for hours. Neuroscience behind um, mental illness and behind all of our mental health, really. Uh, it's very interesting, the different parts of the brain. I learned a lot from that conversation. Um, but yeah, if you want to go on Twitter, just type in V English Well and... That's all one word, so V English Well, you'll find Victoria on there. Or, like I said, just look in the comments below, uh, not comments, in the description even, and on my website, and you'll find all of Victoria's social media links listed on the website. Now stay tuned for the interview with Shepherd, which will be released uh, Mother's Day in the UK. That's this week, Sunday the 14th. Um... Our mums are our rocks. And Shepard did, uh, well, George from Shepard did an amazing exclusive live performance of, like I said, the song Thank You, which he wrote for his mum. And then after we've got the interview with Jess in, Jess in Piazzi, um, I'm sorry if I got that wrong, Jess. I meant to ask how I say the surname, but I think that's right. Um, Jess, such an inspiring young lady, young lady, um, and, her book that she's brought out, Silver Linings, is amazing. And it's so relatable, so uplifting, so inspiring. And what a journey and what an amazing, courageous and inspiring human being. So yeah, that's one episode of Togetherness uh, done. I hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, if you've got any comments, want to come on, you just visit the contact details on my website um and get involved comment on what you've heard in today's conversation and uh, we will see you in the next episode of togetherness thank you very much Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.